T-minus 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5. All three engines up and burning. 2, 1, 0. And liftoff, the final liftoff of Atlantis on the shoulders of the space shuttle. America will continue the dream. And blast off. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Jake Schaefer Campaign. I'm your host, Jacob Mark Schaefer, and this is my campaign. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while, I want you to know you're a cool cat. And please, spread this podcast with anyone you think might like it. Otherwise, without further ado, the next episode of The Fleeting Prince. Chapter 16 He could see the fire in the night glimmering against the still waters of a minor billabong set beside the river. At times it shimmered brightly like a fallen star, though as night passed it dwindled down to no more than the red-orange glow of fading embers. Shiva spent that night in the cold, watching from a distance. He had spent more than a week forging on through the icy forest, always pushing south until at last breaking free of the frozen woods. It would be no trouble to spend one more night alone. The family had built their fire in a shallow depression near the water's edge, and had arranged their carts in a semicircle around them to shelter them from wolves and other lesser creatures. He knew better than to approach an unknown camp at night. He would be patient. In the early hours of the morn, well before the sun had risen, life began to stir. Several men began bustling about, breaking down tents and seeing to the horses. One woman went to work on the fire, while a group of children played at her side. The sun's light revealed several bright markings along the sides of the wagons. Colorful suns of swirling yellow, and silver crescent moons painted with flaking dust. Shiva could only conclude they were a trope of some kind. He had stepped out from the trees onto the road, and was still a good way from the camp when one of the men gave a shout. Not long after, several of the men were walking towards him, each of them carrying a sword, though they wore no armor and had yet drawn their blades. A husky man with a blonde beard and a pair of silver earrings walked before the others, never taking his hand off the pommel of his blade. Hmm, he began as they drew near. Who might you be, stranger? We're a long way from any inn, and here you stand, without horse or provisions. There were three of them, travel-stained and mud-specked. The leader was handsome enough, the others less so. They trailed only slightly behind, but looked on with wary eyes. Please, sirs, I mean you no distress. I am Shiva of Cateron, first warden and servant of Lady Soon. I have suffered many misfortunes on my way to Solaire, and offer you my services, in the hopes that I may resume my travels. A warden offering us his services, one said speaking up, a short gruff fellow with green eyes. And a sharp nose. His faded blue jerkin was mended here and there, but was still of good quality, and he wore a brace of throwing knives at his hip, which his hand hovered over nervously. And what might these services be? Shiva answered him. Protection from hollows and others of their kind. A horde fell upon me and my companions separating us. If you're heading north, I offer my sword. If south, I offer coin in the hopes of purchasing a horse that I might be on my way. Horses aren't for sale, 
provisions neither. Come now, Otto. No need to be uncouth. The bearded man turned to his friend, gesturing something unseen before once again addressing Shiva. Good sir, he speaks truly. We are not merchants, and we would not part with our horses if you were to offer a sack of gold, two sacks even. But we are traveling north, and quickly too. If we're to make it in time for the king's festival, we're already behind schedule. And if the roads are as dangerous as you say, then perhaps you can earn your place. The bearded man stood a foot taller than his companions, bearing the look of a soldier. A long sword hung from his studded leather belt, decorated with rubies and emeralds at the hilt. It was not the blade Shiva would have expected to see wielded by one of such company. He nodded in consent. Thank you. You will not regret this. Lovely, the man smiled. But before we go any further, I must insist upon one thing. Speak it, Shiva said at once. While you need not turn over your weapons to us, we ask that you not carry them while in our company. You may sit with them beside you on the carts, or strap them to one of the horses. But while in our camp, you are in our home. Will you abide by such terms? After a moment, Shiva nodded. I acknowledge your wishes, and will see through their fulfillment. Brilliant. Otto stood scowling, his hands still hovering by his knives. Hold it, he said, then pointed to the bag hanging across Shiva's back. What you got there in that satchel? Otto, really? I can't see why that should matter. I want to know. He already said he would set aside his weapons. We need not pester him further. He looks honest enough, if not a little grim, I confess. Otto stood resolute. I want to know, he repeated. The handsome man turned once more to Shiva. I do apologize, but if you wouldn't mind showing us the contents of your bag, we can get moving. Shiva hesitated a moment, unsure how they would react to the severed head of a gargoyle. In the end, he unslung his bag and let it fall to the floor, hitting the ground with a heavy thud. He reached in and pulled out the head for all to see. Even though it had been several weeks since the kill, the flesh looked fresh, and the eyes were red with blood. The three men stepped away, but otherwise kept their composure, and, in fact, a certain gleam appeared in the handsome man's eyes as he looked upon the monster's head. Well now, he began, I think this will make for a great story. Shiva had not been wrong. They were indeed a trope of sorts. Music and acting, juggling and games. They did it all, though it seemed they had a special affinity for singing, and hardly a moment had passed before they were on the road, and the first chords were being strummed, and a soft, melodious voice from one of the women drifted into the air. It was beautifully sang, had Shiva cared enough to listen, but even he managed a swift glance towards the young woman. She caught his glance and smiled back, amused by his cold eyes. He found himself riding in the rear cart beside a skinny youth of fourteen named Joss. Red-haired and freckled, the boy wore simple garb with high boots and fingerless gloves. True to his word, Shiva had removed his weapons, along with his gargoyle head, placing them between him and the youth, who regarded them with cautious curiosity. Would you like to see it? Shiva asked after seeing the boy's eyes flicker towards the bag for the tenth time. 
Is it... Is it truly a gargoyle's head you got in that satchel? Shiva nodded. It is. The youth looked to the bag, then to Shiva. He held the reins steady in his hands, then nodded. The roads have grown unruly. Everyone says so. I've seen my fair share of hollows and such, but we've never come across a gargoyle. There are few who have, Shiva answered. Then, pulling the severed head out of the satchel, he held it up for the boy to see. Are there many of them out here in the forest? Aladdin told us you fell into some trouble on the way north. Seeing that foul thing, I can hardly guess how you escaped at all. The boy glanced towards the frozen woods, not far from the path. They had reached a turning point, and the road was beginning to bend northward. Not many, Shiva answered, returning the head to its proper place. And none in the forests. They prefer mountains and stone. Well, either way, we're glad to have you. We have a few fighters among us. Otto and Aladdin are more than enough to strike down a stray hollow. They were soldiers once, part of the Iron Knights in their youth. But I don't think they would stand a chance against such a beast. They donned the Black Shield? Shiva asked. Gazing forward in the bend, he saw Aladdin leading the party upon a stout mare of white. His posture and manners did in fact mirror a soldier's. The youth shifted in his seat then nodded. Aye, Aladdin still has his armor sitting near in the back of his wagon. He keeps it polished and clean, but I've never seen him wear it in all our travels. He won't talk about it, neither, but Otto will, when he's drunk, which is more often than not, especially if someone else is paying. Shiva watched the boy. He found the youth strangely pleasant to converse with, which was an oddity. He was not one to have a loose tongue. At last the road finished its bend and straightened before them long into the distance. To the left stood the woods, frozen and cold and white. To the right lay endless fields of rolling hills, green as spring, the domain of House Magnus. A cold mist fell on them then, not quite a rain, but enough to stop the music and chatter. Shiva pulled his cloak close, covering his head from the worst of the wind. He considered pulling out his shadow cloak, but tossed aside the thought immediately. To use such a treasure frivolously was unwise, especially in the company of a trope, where one's possessions were liable to end up missing if left unattended. Even with the weather turning foul, they made good time. The roads of Lord Magnus were good and true, a path where even the most uncoordinated horse were sure to find their footing. Soon enough the cold mist departed, and the sun was shining once more. Without halting the company, Aladdin began dropping back to each of the carts, informing them that if the weather remained clear, they would push through the night. He would not risk missing the best days of the festival, just so the company could get a good night's sleep. Shiva watched Aladdin return to the front of the column, then turned to the boy. This festival is sure to be quite the event. From what's been spoken, tell me, what is the occasion? Is it a tourney of sorts? The boy hesitated, turning to Shiva with a surprised countenance. Odd that you don't know. I thought all the land had heard by now of King Orsted's death. King Orsted? Shiva repeated. The boy nodded. Sure. It's been several weeks now since the news. We ride now for his son's inauguration. 
There'll be a festival after it for many days. He tightened his grip on the reins and looked off down the road. This entire trip will be for naught if we arrive only to find the whole affairs done and passed. This won't be the first sleepless night we've had, but we'll make do. The trope kept on, and soon the sun had set and a clear sky shone above. They lit lanterns, hanging them from the carts in pairs. At some point, the singing stopped, and the soft whispering strings of a harp echoed into the dim night. No one sang. It was not a song for words, but for journeys. It was a song that spoke of partings and farewells, of departures into far and distant lands. When the song finished, a new one began, then another. Many songs were played in that manner, until a cold dew blew in from the forest, and the harp fell silent, leaving only the clapping of the horse's hooves upon stone. Still, their lanterns were bright, and the path remained true before them. Aladdin kept a steady pace despite the weather, never letting the company fall into anything less than a brisk walk. There were stretches where the path led them close to the woods, but they were few and far between, and it wasn't long before the tree line receded once more. Shiva eyed the woods calmly. He did not trust them. He knew how treacherous they could be. They had just passed over a small stone bridge when a thin howl rose from the woods. Aladdin called the company to a halt and perched upon his mare. The cry came again, distant and thin, from the depths of the forest, yet closer than it had been only moments before. He turned and began riding down the line, when, to his surprise, he saw Shiva jump clear from his cart onto the path before him. The warden stood with bow in hand, staring out into the darkness. Aladdin dismounted. A wolf? he asked, stepping up beside the warden. Shiva nodded. Sounds a long way off. No, it's difficult to judge distance in these woods. It's close. From their carts, the men and women sat peering out into the gray. A few of them were eyeing the pair, clearly concerned having overheard the warden's words. Aladdin stepped in close to Shiva and spoke in a hushed tone. We only heard the one, but if there's one, there's more to follow. We should ride. They'll not catch us if we continue on. We couldn't ride fast enough, Shiva answered. Not in the dark. This is a good road, but it bends more than you think. They would catch us, if indeed it is a pack, and us their prey. Otto rode up then. He had been near the front alongside Aladdin, and looked down at the pair with furrowed eyes. Why aren't we moving? he muttered and glanced back towards the carts. Aladdin stepped close to his companion. Be calm. We're just discussing the matter. Light torches, as many as you can, Shiva said, pointing to the trope. Set them in circles around the carts. We must see them coming to have a chance. Otto dismounted. There's only been one bloody creature. We should get moving now, and not waste any more time. A second cry echoed out. This time, others answered it. Eerie wails, many of them. Further, but nearer all the same. The torches, 
Shiva said, his tone unbending. Do it now. This time there was no argument. Allo did an auto departed, walking to the carts and informing them to set about torches immediately. Shiva remained, standing just off the path. They were near fifty yards of clear terrain before the tree line, which sat shrouded in mist. He fell to one knee, peering into the fog. When Aladdin returned, he was holding a crossbow, fully cranked with bolt in place. He stood beside the warden, shadowed by his hood, the mist catching upon his oiled cloak and running down in narrow beads. A moment later Otto joined them, as well as two other men Shiva had seen working in the camp, all of them holding bows. It was then that the clouds shifted, letting the moon cast its light upon the woods. They found themselves looking out into a line of wolves, coats as white as the snow, hidden amongst the tree line. So many, Otto muttered to himself. They're not moving, another whispered. Why aren't they moving? Aloden leaned in close to Shiva. Well, Warden, time to earn your place. He sounded strangely calm, despite what lay before them. A soldier's training, perhaps. To the carts, he said quietly. They will not cross the fire. Otto hesitated, but Shiva quickly grabbed the man's arm and began pulling him back. Now is not the time to falter. All hope is lost when one loses his wits. Otto relented and began moving towards the wagons with the others. Each of you take a cart, and do not leave it even if another should fall. Another cry went out from the woods, different from what they heard so far. A lone voice, deeper and more formidable. Shiva stopped. His eyes searched through the mist. It was then that he saw him, the Alpha Wolf, a dark shape with eyes like yellow gold, stepping out from the snow-capped trees. The beast paused, only for an instant, before continuing on out from the shelter of the woods. Aladdin and the others were still close, watching in wonder at the boldness of the beast. Isn't that a sight? Otto muttered. The brute is without fear. He was notching an arrow, but he had yet to draw it back. Stay your hand, Shiva called, his eyes set on the wolf. He inhaled deeply, then stepped forward to meet the creature. He could hear Otto speaking softly behind him. What's he doing? He's cracked. The others nodded, all but Aladdin, who watched the Orden stride forward with glee. No, thought Shiva, not cracked. But how could they understand? The beast before him was tall and strong, calling to him for combat, stepping forward to show his dominance to his pack. Yet no fight would take place, he knew. Not tonight. Shiva reached out his hand, running it across the face of the beast. We meet again, my friend. Merrick let the warden stroke his fur, looking at his palm as he did. I did not expect to see you again, but fate has set us together once more. He seemed pleased as he knelt beside the wolf. Tell me, where is Zev? The gray wolf turned, casting his gaze into the woods, and then back towards the warden. Shiva looked towards the forest, but saw no sign of her. Hmm, we shall see. Pulling away from Shiva, 
the great wolf turned towards the pack, letting out a long, harrowing cry. The pack howled back, crying out an answer before turning and disappearing into the woods one after another, until the forest was empty and white, and all was still except for the swaying trees. With the wolves gone, a sort of calm fell upon the land, still and tranquil and soft. The forest was lovely to behold, but Shiva had little care for such things, and Merrick none at all. The beast turned to the carts in a confused sort of way. Shiva followed his gaze. Ah, try not to spook the horses. Merrick looked to the warden. He seemed to understand, and together they made their way back to the trope. Aladdin was waiting for them as they neared. Him alone. The others stood with bows in hand, though they had the sense enough not to point them towards the pair. Aladdin eyed the wolf with care, then turned to Shiva. A friend of yours? The warden nodded. He belongs to one of my companions. I mean to see them reunited. The horses may not like his smell, but he will not bother them. You have my word. Aladdin turned to the beast, his hand resting on his jeweled blade. Shiva wondered if it was all for show, a grand performance, though the man did carry himself well. Finally, he answered with a single approving nod, then made his way towards the front of the trope, where Otto stood holding his mare. Shiva watched the man go, then turned to Merrick. Best you stay a ways back, only until they see you are no trouble. And with that he returned to his cart, hoisting himself back up beside the youth, just as the wagon pitched forward. The mist came and went, but by morning there was more blue in the sky than gray, and the streams that ran from the woods were running low. They kept a good pace that day, and come nightfall, most of the trope had come to accept Mark, referring to him as the warden's pet. A few of them even approved of the beast, supposing him to be a guard dog of sorts, saying they might rest a bit easier at night. Though it was evident not all of them felt that way. He caught Otto giving Merrick an angry glance more than once, and the horses were never quite at ease. Aladdin says we're less than a week out from Solaire, the youth declared, one morning after the company had halted for a rest. Says it's a good road all throughout Lord Magnus's kingdom, and even after, too, in Solaire. Says it's smooth and well-guarded. It will be nice to see some patrols upon the roads once more, just like home. A ruler should know what's happening in his kingdom. All I see here are empty open fields, no outposts of any kind, not even a run-down inn. Shiva glanced at the youth and smiled, a cold smile. Lord Magnus does not need patrols to know what is taking place in his kingdom. He sees more than you could ever know. The youth nodded. Aye, we've all heard the tales. That doesn't mean they're true. Solera has the Wizard's Guild to help watch, and they still have plenty of knights to help keep the peace, or so I'm told. I've never been there myself, see, but plenty in this troop has. They say it's a fine city, Solera. Not as fine as Bedivere, but fine just the same. He turned then, looking to the warden. Do you get many tropes out in Catron? Shiva shook his head. It is harsh land that surrounds Catron, and the city is always moving from one oasis to another. Traders make the journey, 
To them it is worth the risk, but no. Few tropes decide to make the voyage. If your city moves as much as you say, how then do you find it when you need to? The warden looked at the youth for a long time, then said, There are ways for those who know where to look. He spoke no more of it, and they continued on along the path. Shiva spent a good part of the day looking out across the endless fields of Lord Magnus's kingdom. Once he had believed as the youth believed, but no longer. Lady Soon had discovered the truth. He doubted if there were a safer kingdom in all the land. He inhaled deeply and looked out along the trope. The roads would have fallen long ago if not for the ceaseless protection of Lord Magnus. Merrick was trotting beside them when the warden's thoughts turned towards the others. He was confident they would reunite. Fate had led the wolf to him. It would lead the others. They were in a rare state of quiet when one of the tropers had stopped playing and no one had yet taken up the call. When the youth turned to Shiva in wonder, What are those? Out across the endless fields of rolling green stood four towers, built from stone, with a disc as large as a house set between them. Shiva paused, squinting towards the distant structures. A star tower, he said. He spoke the word softly, but the boy still managed to hear them. It was used long ago to observe the heavens at night. They say the four themselves constructed it, long ago before the taint fell. The four built this to observe the heavens? The youth said. What for? What were they hoping to see? I cannot say. Perhaps they simply wanted a glimpse of home. The large disc you see hanging in the center is glass, though it's long been cracked and abandoned. If they were looking up to the heavens, then they must have been something they were looking for, replied Joss. He raised his hand to his brow for shade and stared towards the towers. A thing like that doesn't get built just to look up at the stars. Perhaps, Shiva replied, but we will never truly know. And there are stranger things in this world than those towers. Back home, some were lost within the desert. Carved deep into the mountain is a face thirty feet tall with a crystal eye bigger than this cart that's supposed to show you your death if you're brave enough to gaze into the stone. Who would want to know that? The youth said, quite shaken at the idea. But before Shiva could answer, the trope came to a halt. The warden rose and looked out further down the road. Hmm. What do you see? The youth asked. He was leaning to his side for a better view, but failed to see anything past the cart before them. Ruins, was all he said. He stepped from the cart and began walking the road, leaving the boy behind. At once Merrick was at his side. There were eight carts in total, a rather large number for a trope, and together they passed them by one after another, paying little heed to the stray looks they received. Aladdin was sitting atop his mare, his eyes set upon a pair of mans standing in the center of the road, beside a broken wall and the ruins of a small tower. A small outpost, Shiva thought, long abandoned like so many other structures in Lord Magnus's kingdom. He unslung his bow and held it lightly in his hands, checking the tension of the string unconsciously 
as he looked out at the pair. Aladdin cracked his head to one side and eyed him questioningly. Are you expecting trouble? The warden looked to Aladdin and then back to the men standing idle before them, waiting, watching. They were knights, the pair of them. Their horses were tied to the wall, and a long jousting spear stood leaning against the broken tower, but the men stood defiant, watching the trope from the distance. Well, one cannot say for sure, said Shiva, but it would be foolish to take them lightly, whatever their wants may be. They are dangerous men, I can feel it, and so can Merrick. He looked to Aladdin, curious to see how he would react. They bear the crest of House Magnus. Shiva nodded. They do, but you speak as though that makes them less dangerous. That would be unwise. Aladdin looked down at Shiva and then to Merrick. He seemed to understand and quickly dismounted, handing his horse off to Otto. Wait here. Otto took the reins quietly. For once the sour man had nothing to say. In fact, he seemed to agree with Shiva, eyeing the two men warily. It was queer behavior, standing there in the center of the road, not moving or calling out. The trope was always on watch for more than just stray ghouls. Bandits and thieves were known to reside in the forest, and the idea of willingly stepping into a trap was never something to overlook. I can go alone. Shiva offered, but Aladdin would not have it. This is my trope, my people. I will go, but you're free to join me. The wolf, too. Shiva laughed. With a quick nod, he began making his way towards the knights. They were tall men, both of them, donning well-crafted armor. The silver knight wore a full suit of plate from head to toe, and an early arm at helm with hinged cheek plates instead of a visor. The other knight, an elderly gentleman with grain hair and a strong face but weathered, wore a blue and silver undercoat with a single chest plate and no helm. The senior knight hailed them as they neared. Fear not, friends. We are servants of Lord Magnus, whose kingdom we now preside in, and whose road you now traverse. We mean you no harm. His voice was calm and friendly. Good sirs, we are simple travelers, and only wish to pass through these lands unhindered, answered Aladdin. So you are, the elder knight acknowledged, and we mean to let you. But we have instructions, and one cannot cast those aside. Shiva stepped forward. What might those be? he asked. The elderly knight looked upon him now as though seeing him for the first time. He looked at the wolf next to him and smiled. We are waiting for someone. A pair, actually. A warden of Cateron and his beast. He paused, watching Shiva with probing eyes. Yet the warden revealed nothing. The knight continued. We are waiting for you.